Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Fighting Words. Donovan here, and uh, I am focusing on this season on discussing politics. I may divert from that sometimes, but why? Because it's all the talk, and I want to be part of the conversation. So, um, in light of that, my guest today is Eric Hansen. Hello. Hello. Eric is a member of Redeemer and one of our elders. You may be our longest standing elder. I am. Yeah, besides me. It's funny. The kids just asked me that. It yeah. came up. They asked if I was the boss of Donovan. And I said, <laughs> obviously. Who is the boss of Donovan at Redeemer, Eric? Well, I said, who's been, who's been on the elder team the longest? And they all go, as if that answered the question. Right, right, right. And then they all kind of went, oh. Ooh, it's a window into and your I just, mind. I just let it. I didn't answer their question. I just That's let right. Them. But actually, who is the boss of Donovan? The elder team is. Yeah. What does that mean? Well... We talk about like firing you about every other week. <laughs> well, great. You know, I always say if you do, that's release. Like I'm in Iowa till I die, it seems, unless God releases me. But that would be a clear release. I come back from some kind of trip. The elders have talked behind my back. <laughs> you always say You're, that. What's the truth? And I'd be like, all right, well. I th- you know, I'll, I want to answer that question because yeah. I think it's more than funny. Like, more um, than funny. <laughs> it, has, it has some real potential. Oh. <laughs> all right. As opposed to most of your questioning. That's right. Um, I mean, I see it the same way. I think of being a boss in the work environment. Like a boss's job is to help others flourish. So like as an elder team, if we in a sense are responsible for the staff pastors, um, making those decisions. And, and eventually if it came to it, like recruiting and like for the sake of the church, like we our job is to make sure that we are in an encouragement to you. Like we challenge you. We're not, you know, we, we, we are, as, as we say, like we're knights of the round table, so to speak. Like we're all present at the table. We're all doing ministry side by side. We're not sitting back and thinking of you as someone that we pay to do our jobs with respect to the work of Christ's kingdom, moving it forward. Like it's a mutual equipping. Like we're trying to make sure you are your best in position to flourish and to bless as many people as possible with the hope of Jesus and vice versa. You're challenging us too in the same way. So it's that, it's that, um, healthy, healthy, positive type of tension, I think in, in that, in that relationship. But I'd never think of it as, you know, here we are again for our weekly pastor, you know, elder team meeting. And so now it's the you know, it's it's an evaluate. You know, it's not a sense of we're evaluating you or you know that sort of relationship. Like sometimes there's a stigma with a boss employee relationship. I well, it's well, I don't yeah. Think of it that way. I don't think of not at all. I don't think you know, whatever that. Well, I think it's because it's a church, yeah. and I'm mean, in my <laughs> right. opinion a generally healthy church, and so right. We're mostly here because we're united in relational synergy, vision, mission, cultural synergy, and then the. The employment part is like, well, it's there, it's writing under the surface. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, certainly, technically, if you read the bylaws, like the elders can fire me. You know, if I'm, for whatever reason, just it's not the right thing, I've disqualified myself or I'm incompetent. Yeah, they could, they're the ones that can fire me. 
So right. I just, I, I wonder if people, I'm sure people think that sometimes like, who are you like the boss of the church? Like <laughs> I talk about this at one one. like, no, I've, I would, I would say I've been put in a position to lead because I think this is the way I would express it. You guys believe at this point, up until this point, that there's a certain effectiveness in my leadership and communication that it's helpful to have me kind of have a lot of, uh, vocal input and input at meetings and things like that that's helpful and at some point that could change and you could determine that's no longer helpful right but yeah i'm not the boss of the the church or the elders um i get one vote you know right now on another level though at the staff level i am the supervisor right so like it's it does get complicated so dirk is an elder Joe is an elder. We sit at the elder table. They have full eldership, but I also then have a responsibility to kind of lead them. Like they report to me as the um, kind of staff leader. Right. 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 Um, But at the same time, if it came down to firing Donovan, they're in on that conversation. Right. Right. Where like we're at Aegon, that's different. Or Transamerica is different. You can't fire your boss. Right. Right. Um, So it's a it's a little complicated. Uh, But yeah, the church aspect of it is. Lord willing, that's the dominant feel, you know, mm-hmm. and if business becomes the dominant feel, then oh. I got to go. Yeah. I'm out of here. The, yeah. It's bro. a different enterprise. It's a different enterprise. So yeah, longest standing elder. Yes. But let's cut to the chase because we're going to, we're going to talk a lot today. Okay. Um, I try to shoot for about an hour and we'll see how it goes. So you outed yourself on Facebook <laughs> a couple weeks ago, which yeah. once, no, by what I mean by that is you, I mean, you literally said... I'm outing myself or something yeah, like that. Probably. Like, and the outing was you're voting for Trump. Voting right? for Trump. And so in one sense, it's like, well, surprise outing. Like, well, don't most evangelical people and especially mm. white men vote for Trump? Mm. Vote Republican, at least. Um, but there was something there, something in the current culture that made you use that language. Like, I don't imagine that and historically, when you've voted, I mean, I'm guessing historically you've generally voted Republican. Yeah. But you didn't feel this need to like out yourself. It was just like, oh yeah, I'm voting for Reagan or whoever. Like, but there was this sense of like, I need to come out. Why? Why is that? And we'll get more into specifically yeah. of like how you view Trump and where yeah, you are sure. politically and all that. But why was that need to out yourself there? Like, what was that underlying? I just feel like there's some type of shaming for being a Republican now. I don't know what's happened. Like people are afraid to enter into the discourse because there's so much animosity. Um, and I wanted to. I was trying to distinguish on, like, basically. I don't know if you're pulling it up, but I was trying to say, like, hey, look, I've really been struggling. I've been doing a lot of reading. I am. I believe in all kinds of elements with respect to Republican policy. I don't really believe in a, my hope is not in Donald Trump. My hope has been much more in former Republican presidents in, in a sense. Trump just, Trump person, his personality, the guy does great on me. Like there are, like I just cringed my whole way through the debate. I actually felt rotten on mm. the inside. And I had my kids watch it and they were like, dad, I mean, they really struggled. Mm. And both both candidates looked ridiculous in that way. Now, Biden was way more diplomatic than um, than Trump in in the debate, the first debate, the second debate. Trump behaved himself a lot better. I think they controlled the situation by shutting off his mic. Right, like 
he's and I think maybe some thing. people had a talking to with him. He did uh, seem he didn't come out of the gates like so aggressive. It was intense. Yeah. So I'm what I was trying to communicate was this is a struggle for me. It was much more a struggle in 16 because when I went to the caucuses, I was hoping for Ben Carson. Like I really liked Ben Carson, although he was super flat. Yeah. And he's ended up on Trump's in, in Trump's cabinet. But um, at that time, I figured, I mean, this guy, I liked so much about him, what he valued, the way he spoke. He spoke with humility. He valued people. He was a unifier. He just, and he had accomplished tremendous things for an African-American. And, 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 and yeah, it's kind of like from like, from poverty to, yeah, to, like, to politics to doctor, successful guy. Yes, treated people with respect. He, he, actually, one of my favorite speeches was his speech at a, at a prayer breakfast that Obama hosted, and it blew everybody away. I mean, you go back and listen to that. That, that put him on the stage of, like, this guy could run. Well, no one even stood up for Trump. And that's, that was the shocker to me. It was at Antioch Church, the caucuses. This is in 2016. Okay. Right? I'm going way back. Sure. And I'll bring it back to the post, your question. But... At that point, you know what the caucuses, they say, okay, we've got a representative for this candidate, and someone's prepared by that person's team, that candidate's team, to come forward and give a two-minute address to the audience. And then you have an opportunity to indicate which candidate. Well, no one was even there. People were laughing. Like, Trump was a laughable candidate. And then he goes from that so quickly you know, to the center stage, and you got to decide between Trump as a Republican and Hillary Clinton. And I thought it was a landslide, going to be a landslide for Clinton, but still wrestled with voting at all at, in 16 because of what was coming out about Trump's character. It's just like, man, you watch one YouTube after, you know, things that he would just say. Yeah. Like, oh, in his past. Everyone just, I mean, he's not pre- like, no, I mean, he's, a, he's got a sordid past and probably present. Like, so what right, you're right, getting right. at is you're, you've got this idea. Well, there are a couple things. Number one, there has, you know, there's this uh, public shaming involved, and some of that's yeah. related to, well, I think there's just a greater polarization in the culture, but also he, his bombastic, absurd nature kind of makes people, why would you vote for that? Everyone, yeah. it seems, no one is saying they have the perfect candidate. Everyone is saying, hey, we're kind of dealing with the, the cards that we've been dealt, and there's always going to be some dissonance between the person and you know the policy. For some people, the person, well, some people just reject his policy, but we'll get to policy. But let's just say you, you affirm his policy. For some people, say the person is enough to just go, no way. Right. And you're just saying that's not where you are. Like, that's I, not where I I'm at. I see that. Yes. I see the issues with this guy. But there's some policy things that are going to happen or have happened that give me confidence in that this is a positive direction for the country. Um, and this is – so part of what I want to do here is – um, well, I'll do a couple things. I want to poke holes at your at your theories yeah, and, sure. and uh, kind of deconstruct a little bit. But also, I think for me to help battle um, polarization is to hear people out. Like, I always want to assume the best about someone. Like, if I have someone in my church who's a Trump yeah. voter, like, I want to assume that the, there's a there's a reasoned, uh, um, conscientious decision for why. And there's some tensions they're trying to battle, and yeah. and I understand the same. If someone in my church wants to vote for Biden, which in the evangelical world is like the worst thing you could do, because he's pro-choice. You know, if you just mm-hmm. get down to single right. issue stuff, that that right. could be really. But I want to sit with someone and say, okay, let's reason through that and talk me through that. Like talking with people and hearing their intent, I think is really important and helpful. So that's part of what my aim is here. Um, so there's that. You know, coming out of the closet, um, I'm voting for Trump. Yeah. Uh, there was some pretty harsh reaction to that post. Yeah. Um, 
some people, you know, we don't have to name names, but we're like, wow, really? See right. you later. Like kind right. of like, um, I guess blacklisting you or something or defriending or that kind of thing. But you also had some, you mentioned again, we don't have to name names, but personal friends of yours, evangelicals. Oh yeah. Who kind of reached out and were like, what is wrong with you? You yes. can't. Yeah. So surprisingly, you know, do all evangelicals support or will vote for Trump? The answer is no. No way. Yeah. So you had a couple. What do you think? Were, what were the kind of sharpest rebukes or um, challenges that you received from inside your community? Absolutely. I think it started with uh, confusion about person versus policy. So okay. even though I tried to focus on it's policy that drives me here, because if I don't vote for Trump, I vote for I'm really voting for an, all of the ideologies of the left. And I believe in the government's role is to promote human flourishing as much as possible, allow human flourishing and implement laws. There may there be justice. May we, we have a society. The government has a real role to play. And, and I vote based on that. And we can disagree on policy, but then the, the personality comes into play of Trump. And he's such a strong personality, it was a real struggle for me. So the sharpest rebuke was to that effect. When You felt the, like they even, didn't, you tried to make that distinction and I tried they to didn't make really catch it. Like they, I feel like even close friends of mine that are, are um, basically abstaining from voting, <clears throat> they're Christians that would otherwise vote Republican, and they're abstaining because of the character issue. And I respect them for doing that. Because there is something to be said. For, I mean, Piper's article that yeah. came out last week, yes. two weeks ago, something yeah. like that, where he said you're basically, a lot of Christians are, are underestimating the power of a corrupt character and leader. Right. And uh, I, th I think that's, I do think that's fair. There is, there isn't, I think it's, I don't think you can strictly say it was just policy. Like, is there not... Um, Wait, they're not our pastor, mm. all right? Mm -hmm. So there's some nuance. I'm not saying they're our pastor. Right. That where we would say this is, you know, their character is going to be the main thing. But there is something to people's, uh, how they communicate, the things they emphasize that will contribute to the ethos, kind of like the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Like, do they, mm -hmm. like even today, we were talking about yeah. Trump declared a national day of remembrance for those killed by illegal immigrants. Right. Okay, that... To, I, I, I don't think that's a good idea. It's, no, it's like I celebrating division. Either. Right. So, so there's an issue where like it's not just like, well, he make the financial or right. judge policies or things like that, decisions that I like. But is there something to be said for the caustic effect of this person, the division, the strife, the mm -hmm. uh, flippancy? The mm -hmm. And you have to weigh it. You have to weigh it. You have to weigh it because you look at things where, I mean, he has put forward what I would consider, like, I celebrate all the Supreme Court justices he's put forward. You would. I would. I know. And and I <laughs> I absolutely would. And it's kind of shocking because, because it doesn't really, I don't feel how it lines, I don't understand how it lines up with who he is. Like, like well, the way he, his, his ethos. Like he, there's someone maybe, so, yeah, we've talked about this a little bit. Like, what is going on there? Like, he's a lifelong Democrat, right? Um, I don't buy into this whole thing that he's like been saved and all that. Who knows? Go, you know, I don't, I don't at, at the it. end of the day, God is it. the judge, but yeah, that's right. Uh, but it's certainly, yeah, like it wouldn't make sense, right? If like right. if John Piper became president and then suddenly started installing pro choice, you know. Justices, you'd be like, what? what? Like, uh, who are? What's how does happening? this line up? What is happening? Well, here's the thing about Donald Trump, like an evil. 
I, and I think Donald Trump like what's just, the difference? What the morality? Yeah, okay. just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, Obama, Biden, um, Kamala, like these. What I would consider to be, you know, like well, not what I would consider. Anyone would consider to be the, they represent the a liberal agenda, leftist, on uh, in all types of and in all in all sense, you know, uh, categories of policy. Um, it's fine. That's that's a different view of how government should be run. But I'm just making the point that because someone's not diplomatic, like Trump's very not diplomatic. He doesn't know how to like. I mean, just tends to not. He's never had to be care about yeah. treating people with respect, right? Yeah. He doesn't care about offending others. Just because someone has diplomacy, they speak well. They won't interrupt and just talk over someone, and they won't just make constant like I disagree with you. So like in our conversation, Donovan, I think. I'm very. I don't think I'm very confident. You can challenge me, and 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 I can challenge you. But we are very good friends, and we and we like. I I, I have no concern over that. I'm not going to answer a question. My first approach is to insult you, mm. and that's what Trump does. And I don't see like Obama. I would much rather have dinner with him and invite him as a house guest. Yeah, Obama and Biden. And he, they're just by the way he's gonna be on the podcast next week okay that wow yeah not this one <laughs> some podcast so but but that doesn't mean there is an evil like earthly underneath the surface evil is present as we would i think sure you know, would agree is is in all of us and not only that there's a sneakiness that can be like there's overt like rudeness to people and that's what we see on the outside of trump but under but but is that covering up some there's some element about trump that i um i think ultimately is a good thing and that is it requires his personality in the political zoo that we have with with uh, activists and the flow of money within politics today i i i believe trump is is he's he's very quick to fire someone that's not aligning like he he he's not going to bow down to necessarily one agenda or another now the problem with this you don't with, with trump is you don't know which direction he's going to take things. Like part of my struggle with voting for him in 16 was like, is this a hoax? Like, right. is he just going to, he said all this, but is he going to, what is he real? Who is he really? What, what policies is he really going to play? What side is he even playing for? Like all those questions were up. Um, my, my point is just, you can't look at a nice person, a more like a, a, that, that speaks well and shows others respect. That doesn't mean that they are not intentionally of evil intent behind it all they're just smooth. right yeah they're just smooth yeah smooth. That, that's my point like and and so when I, when and and do i do i think that like i mean i obviously believe that the policies of the right um do more for human flourishes and flourishing than the policies of the left does that mean i believe every democratic politician is like intentionally trying to take down america and ruin society no i don't i think a lot of it's unintentional Okay, so let's let's transition here to actual policy. There's the idea of Trump, and well, I yeah. do want to affirm that there's objections that Trump go beyond just his personality and how he's rude. I mean, there's you know his moral character with women, and mm-hmm. then there's um, the degree to you know there's this whole I, you know he's cast as a racist, you know, and I think right. there's things that like he does that aren't helpful. That right. certainly you go, wow, that's interesting, like fomenting. Like even the you know that policy we just talked about about you know having a day of 
remembrance for those killed by illegal immigrants. It's not fostering unity for sure. And at his worst, at worst, people are going to say, you know, he's he's, a, he's stirring up the right and championing them. And mm-hmm. look, I don't know. There's a there's a lot that can be discussed about that. But the point, is, I just want to say, it's not just his rudeness. There's there's other things there that. At the end of the day, your what it really comes down to, though, is what you're saying right now, which is that in your experience and from your perspective, the policies of the right, which would be 10 more free market, mm-hmm. 10 more um, conservative regarding social issues, mm-hmm. 10 more idealistically, not playing out in the Republican Party, but uh, fiscally conservative yeah, right. right? <laughs> so let's let's spend less. Let's let the markets work, mm-hmm. and let's um, kind of conserve some traditional values about marriage, gender, right. sexuality, right. things like that. You um, now here's the thing: this is where people can we, let's have debates about this and let's talk mm-hmm. about that. But I I know Eric, and I believe you sincerely hold those views. And, and like you said, for do you believe that they're what's for human flourishing? Now, I think I can poke holes at some of those, and, and we'll do that and have fun have fun with it. But I don't I, – Eric is not a, uh, I don't know, racist, <laughs> um, oppressor who's trying to, like, take over the world and hoard wealth. And, you know, I think like anyone, you have your perspective, and your life has shaped your perspective, and there's going to be some blind spots in there – but this is, again, where you come back to like just granting people, especially within the church, for goodness sake, at your own church, like grant yeah. people the benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah. So, right. so you're, um, you, you brought some notes. Is there anything specifically there that we need to dive into right now? Or, or, no, you okay. can just ask your question. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Pol- so let's go policy. Okay. Specific policies that now you look back on Trump's record and go, this is what I, I deem to be helpful for human flourishing and, and therefore think that some of that will continue and will cast a vote for him. Like, What have the last four years produced policy-wise that you feel like, man, this is, this is a good thing? Yeah, there's, there, um, so from a policy standpoint, I am pro-life. And so I, I do, this, this gets people all worked up, but I do believe it would be very appropriate to overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, that would be the best thing we can do. I'm convinced that in, give it 50, maybe 100 years, we're going to look back on the atrocity of abortion once we understand what it is and, and technology brings us to this place. And it's going there where we can sustain life younger and younger and younger, hmm. right? It's just like ticking back. I mean, preemies, the definition of a preemie, that's just that. That's just. How many weeks? Twenty six weeks. Twenty three. Well, weeks, you're assuming weeks, that te- that the weeks. that the scarred human consciousness will be awakened by technology, but well, you know what I mean. Just, In one yeah. sense, no matter right. what you show someone, if you're if you're bent against it, you won't right admit it. Right, and that yeah, that's but the idea though is that abortion, and I get where you're coming, and I'm we're, with you. We're going to look back. We're going to look back on it. The, the atrocity of slavery is like a universal. We, we as a as a human race, I think we've 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 come to terms like never before in history. I mean, slavery's been throughout history. Abortion and baby sacrifice has been throughout history. Yeah. Well, Lord willing, there's some kind of reckoning coming. But it's, in terms of an awakening, yeah, like a, right. But it seems as though now there's more of a universal acknowledgement that slavery is evil. It's, right. It's it should it was an atrocity. 
and there's all kinds of un just cascading damages effects as you try to make reparations, as you try to respond, future generations trying to like, how do you adjust and how do we move forward for the sins of the past, right. like years and years and years in the past. So you're drawing an analogy between that and abortion. And abortion. You feel like someday exactly. that's going to happen. So, so like the sooner we can turn it over, um, the better and prevent murder. Like I, that's a view I have, and people are going to disagree. Sure, we're going to get into women's health and choice, and and look, they have their op opinion, and I have have mine, and we're a free country, so I can, <laughs> yeah, well, try to yeah. vote uh, towards what I believe to be right about human life. Um. Yeah. So, and you feel like Trump has advanced that in a way that is helpful. So not just that he's Republican and therefore in the pro-life camp, but there are specific policies that he's implemented in the last several years that have advanced the pro-life cause. Yeah, he was the first president to show up at the um, was the, the big march, the annual march by the pro-life uh, group. He gave a speech. No other president's ever done that. So there's some support he's some support. given to he's the movement. Clear presence and support for that. He's also put the Supreme Court justices that have put in place very conservative. And of course, you know everyone's freaking out about like, well, what does this mean? What's your position? And I mean, I love the fact that like the justices he's put forward are all there to interpret the law, like not make new laws. And we've that's a whole nother discussion about the branches of government. But I think it's very important that we have justices that understand their role is to interpret, not to legislate. Um, and and so, yeah, we just, yeah. Okay, I think that's pretty clear, pretty obvious. Yeah. Like pro-life, Supreme Court justices, I don't follow enough, honestly. I don't know if there's been certain policies that have actually changed from like the executive branch down that like have protected the unborn in different ways like i'm not i mean again i don't i don't know if you're aware of something but other than i mean that's big stuff i mean the supreme court justices assuming that there's going to be a conservative trend and that could have some impact on that yeah look i mean there, there's some it's on the fringe of my like i don't have the luxury of i mean i i i i get you know i try to keep up i i feel like there has been um positive efforts um, by Trump and his cabinet to defund Planned Parenthood, which I okay. am absolutely an advocate for because I believe it's a, it's a, not a legitimate. Use of money. Yeah. If you think it's enterprise. murder, which I would, right. I would agree. Well, I do think it's an unjust killing. Murder's tricky because it's a technical legal term, which means there's just some understanding of what you're doing. And there's right. probably a lot of people that there's, are the confused and ignorant. And they're not the saying I'm going to commit exactly. murder. Exactly. What's in Planned Parenthood, the confusion is pe perpetuated by that organization. Yeah. It's, it, you, you think it's about good planning, but it's that they're very one-sided towards, you know, to a, to a vulnerable, confused, um, often, oftentimes young, you know, in a tough spot, woman, most vulnerable spot. And the advice that they're that those women are given is very heavy handed one direction. And I don't I think that's for the government to fund that. And as, as has been the case. So I think Trump specifically, uh, I just can't state to state like sure yeah, specifics. Yeah. But I, I you know, um, it'd be something I, I think could be. Let me let me ask you this. How do you have you heard this type of. Uh accusation towards someone who's pro-life like you're pro-life until birth and then after that you don't care about you don't care about 
poor kids. You don't care about kids in cages. You don't care about, you know, the mass incarceration system. You don't care about, you know, single moms that can't pay the bills. You know, you're just pro-life. You're not really pro-life. You're pro-birth. So they're kind of co-opting that term and Mm -hmm. redefining pro-life as something else. Um, which is an interesting rhetorical. It's it's savvy. I'll, I'll give them that. <laughs> but how do you respond? Like you're, all you care about. You just want to intrude in the woman's choice, get this baby born, and then hey, you're on your own, bro. Try to make it in this world, and um, you know, good luck in this capitalist, competitive, dog eat dog world. And if you know, if you can't make it, that's that's your problem. Like. You compassionless. I mean, have you heard this line of argumentation and thinking? Of course. Okay. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Why is it ridiculous? It's just flipping it around. It's it's avoiding the issue, and it it it's like, you know, the Bible says the pure and undefiled religion is to care for the orphans and widows in their need, um, and so Christians are charged to to be leading the way, and in it to the degree they're not. It's to their shame, and okay. it's to, it's to their, the, the detriment of their joy. There is a joy in giving. There is, um, you know, and, and I believe that's what our religion, our shared belief system, like Jesus calls us to that, is to be givers, not takers. And so when we, and we were motivated to give because it gives us more joy, right? So that's why generosity is such a cool thing. Um, so what do you think's behind that accusation then? Like what would make someone say you're just pro-life until they're born? You're just pro-birth. I think it's a savviness. Why they should look at the um, look, look at start asking people who've adopted why have they adopted a child? Is that there are there, you'll find different reasons and answers and you might you might hear someone's give an answer that you don't believe in. You think they're just they see themselves as a savior complex. They um, they they're motivated to um, have a multicolored family, and they want to advertise for that purpose, or they want to demonstrate their righteousness by look what I can look what I've done. You're so, describing yourself like basically, but let's talk about others. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some some you can make up all kinds of stuff about people if if you want to, but if you actually befriend and get to know those, I, I just the, the the numbers support. Though you know the the vast majority of those who are adopting, which is um, a much more, I, I have no hesitation saying this. It's a much more costly, personal, emotional, um, like financial, long term than um, any type of donation to a system um, will be, including foster care. Which foster care is great. There's often you know foster adopt, but those that are doing adoption and foster adopt. The presumption is you, how many, it's, it's demonstrated, it's a misunderstanding, Donovan. How many times do I get the question, well, wait a minute, you chose to adopt before you knew if you could have, get pregnant? Why did you do that? Well, my answer is I knew I wanted, we knew. We Why wanted, did you do that? We knew we wanted to adopt. Why? I have a sister that's adopted and I see her the same way as my biological sister. I love them both. Um, I, I like to think I would give, you know, like, <laughs> My heart's my heart bleeds for them. I see them, and I see I see like their soul, like you do with a brother or a sister. You don't really look at their outward appearance. Like you look at them in the eye, and that's you see a, a like the soul, right? Yeah. And that um, I believe that adoption is a beautiful thing spiritually. God adopts us into His family, which means I get what I don't deserve, and I'm eternally grateful for it. And I want to celebrate 
that by just like marriage can represent Christ in the the church um, in a beautiful way and bring God glory and bring his church joy adoption can bring a parent through sacrifice um, more joy um, because it's a reflection of what God has done to us so it's very clear an orphan doesn't um, is, is getting what they don't deserve just like we clearly get what we don't deserve um, with the Lord and with every day of our lives like life and breath we don't deserve this Donovan <laughs> um, and so it's it's out of it's out of gratitude um, and yeah of course like you said like you described yourself ha 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 well yeah we, we both know there's elements um, sin is always crouching at the door, whispering things. Mm. And you realize things about yourself and go, you know what? I mean, I look back on my life and my, my marriage, Rosie and I have been almost married almost 20 years now. And I see things in my life um, of when, nine years ago, when I first became an elder at Redeemer, we moved, we moved to Iowa 10 years ago, right? And I think, I just gasp. Like, I see things in myself, my, my selfishness that I was totally blind to then. And I know I always have, like, so there's elements of savior complex in me. There's elements of wanting to show my righteousness. There's elements of all those. Yes, sure. they're there. Yeah, They're there. Um, and when I see them, I, I, I do desire to repent of them because they lead to death. And anything that leads to death, I want to cut it off to be pruned so that fruit can grow right. and life. Right. right. So yeah, like like everyone, we've got these mixed motivations for what we're doing. Right, and, right, right. But my main point there, I, I just to be, I mean, I kind of went off sure. the thing. But if you look at who's adopting, it's not. It, I don't know where this narrative is coming from. It doesn't make well, sense. I'll it's, tell you, it's, it's, it's Christians generally. Sure. I think part of the problem there is that you're is you're you're inserting a narrow definition of what it means to be. Um, to, to care for babies after the the womb, which is adoption, and that's but certainly a, an option. It's a very it's a very powerful thing. Very yes. powerful thing, and it's and it's one. But guess what? If you've adopted kids, you, or do you have time and capacity to get on every social justice entitlement? Well, you got to do something. Thing. This is this is your calling. That's right. Now here's here's where the power of the argument lies. Here's here's what's happened is. Um, there's an assumption, like when someone says, oh, you're only pro-birth, you don't care them after they're born. There's certainly probably people that are like that. So let's, again, the villains, they're out there. But, sure. the, but that's not, Lord willing, like literally if you're a redeemer and you think that's who your elders are, you, you need to have a conversation with your elders. Right. <laughs> like why are you with It would the, be a big problem. Right, right. Yeah. So, but the power comes in that there's an assumption there that the best way to take care of people involves some kind of like left-leaning, more social programs, right. which I, I'm all for about the debate about how much social program we can have. And, you know, to me, I'm, I'm probably some kind of centrist in that way. But, but the way that it's framed is the presumption is, you know, it, that to actually help people mm-hmm. is to pull back on capitalism and you're not for that, therefore you're obviously not for people. So it, it actually, it's a different conversation. It goes back one stage to let's talk about the pros and cons of capitalism versus, you know, some kind of market controls and things like that. But um, what you're saying is, no, we want to protect just the essential right to actually be born and not killed. And then we want to create a society that is helpful to flourishing, which you would argue would be a more capitalistic type mm-hmm. free market economy. 
and we want to encourage people within that system to be radically generous, lay down their lives, and care for the orphan, the widow, and the poor. Right. And um, and and literally let that hit home. Right. Right. So. Again, I think, and I, and I can put on devil's advocate hat and poke at some of that, but mm-hmm. th- I just want to encourage people, again, like grant people the benefit of the doubt. Like I really believe, you sincerely believe that capitalism is is going to be the most helpful thing for human, human flourishing. Like that's what you're, you're not trying to oppress people. Okay. Right. That's what, that's what all the West Germans believed, you know. We, we, Tell me, what do you take mean? Take the wall down. It, wait, when, when, when we put the wall because world, post-World War II, like, how do we oh, deal yeah, with yeah. Berlin? Yeah. Um, you look at map of East Germany and West Germany um, and in the late 80s, and West Germany is all lit up. It's bright, new lighting system. East Germany is just decrepit. And everyone's, which way are they trying to go? Well, they're trying to unite with their families, but generally speaking, East Germans want out. And you think of North Korea... <laughs> I mean that now. I mean I'm, I know I'm going from like you know, some radical examples, but I just think where has socialism or communism worked ever? Well, here's the, the the part of the rub is that where has capitalism worked? The people within that. So here's okay. So they're let's get into broken. this. I'm gonna see, no, no, yeah, they I'll are. Acknowledge that. They're okay, so you're broken. basically making a, a preponderance ar- argument, like. Um, so let's get so at the root of the issue here with capitalism is this assumption. Let's talk about monopoly. I was thinking about the game Monopoly today. Okay. How does it end? In great frustration and no, no, and no. a realization <laughs> that we've just been playing Monopoly. Like I want my life back. Oh, it's so terrible. It lasts, I, I just can't. You got to play some kind of speed. Monopoly. But you know what? I, you know why I like it. I always, I always. It's a good reminder to me of like in life. To some extent, we're playing Monopoly. This isn't the real thing. When you're playing the game, you think it's the real. Th- you kind of get pulled in, right? Yeah. And you're buying property, and you get excited, and then you you go around, go again, and you're, whatever. You have to you charge people rent. Ah, ha ha ha! You know, like oh, you feel that you feel powerful. Yeah. And then the game's over. Yeah. And and our, this this we're life, on a monopoly board. We're on a monopoly board called Planet Earth. Yeah, you just went metaphysical with and me, you dude. Get 80 like, years. Let's bring it down a level. <sighs> I'm just kidding. It's more fun. Well, how Seriously. does when I ask the how does it like it how do you win? How do you win in Monopoly? In that game. Yeah, it's give and take. It's 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 not a representative picture of capitalism. Well, just hold on. <laughs> just hold on. There's a fixed amount of money, and there are fixed properties, and you win by taking money from others. Right. There's only monopoly. One... There's there's unchecked power. Okay. Because right, right. So there's a principle under there that 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 the power is going to concentrate. It's different than normal life because in in life we have true the best democracy because in every place in the world where you can make any type of choice with your money you vote with your money. If Amazon would be is is Amazon would be nothing if people didn't think it was a good idea and choose to buy on Amazon or Costco wow. or whatever things you like. Right? All right, here we go. Now okay, here's no, the thing. But the, Monopoly's different. You don't have a choice. You roll the dice. It made the choice. For okay, you. Monopoly's you different. You uh, seven. Okay, let, let me throw that out. Monopoly is different because you can poke holes at that for sure. It's not a it's not an accurate representation in many ways. But but I think what I'm getting at is there's this underlying principle that power begets power. Like the reason the game will always end, and there's a reason, and it is that like there's this idea that like well once you have an advantage in the game, mm-hmm. it's like picture a picture a sports game or something where like the one every time you played a game like the one that won the play gained muscle mass yeah. and gained speed and then like oh he's gonna win 
he's going to win one out of four plays now and then one out of three and like he keeps like super powering up like that's basically the the force under the game of monopoly right the question is does that ex- does that force exist in the world does power beget power does the does the the do the powerful have a negotiating or positioning advantage against the non-powerful the weak and the poor would you say they do or don't? I think it's mixed because it's, I mean, I'm going to go back to that big difference in monopoly in life. And I know, I know what your right, right response should be in life. You, you get a vote with your, you don't have to, you don't have to roll seven and pay. You don't have to stay at the most expensive place on boardwalk, right? With two, you don't have to pay Oh, rent. so there's no dice rolled in real life. You don't just end up on a certain avenue or a certain planet here's the or catch. a certain there, there are, city right. or a certain race or gender. Or, so there are channels. Okay. Right. But we st- we have a lot more choice in life than you do in Monopoly. You have to acknowledge that. That's fine. That's where the analogy breaks down. It so breaks let me, down. But let me ask you this. Because yeah. where – okay. Do you see that sin impacts systems, not just individuals? Yes. Where do you see that playing out in a capitalist society? Well, system systems break down. Any system breaks down because they're designed and then operated by humans fundamentally. Sure. It's a much bigger problem than the structure itself. I, I, I mean, because... Right. The, yeah, no, I... The structure well, of... The, the division of power, like within the U.S. government... I mean, it, it it works. It's 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 done something that a lot of other governments have really struggled with. How do you have executive, legislative, and judicial branches of equal power? And we get that wrong, and we everyone you know, like kids think that the president runs the world. Like, no, I mean, even I was talking to a colleague in the Netherlands last week, and um, he was softly pleading with me, like, "Well, you could still change your vote." You know, like mm. we were talking about the the thing, I, my post, and. And as he was listening to me dis- disdain like Trump's character, he's like, "Well, you know, you could. Have you voted yet? I mean, and um, uh, where was I going with that? Um, I don't know. The systems break down. The uh, best systems, but let's stay focused yeah, on, uh, on capitalism. Yeah. Like, okay, capitalism. So, yeah. where do you see it? You're saying yes because of human involvement, which is what oh, I would argue too. Yeah. Where, where, like, what's the worst peril of capitalism in today's society? Like you either have to say, no, it's a it's a perfect system. You're not saying it's perfect. No. Where where are its perils? Where do you see them? Who is affected by them? And what can we do? Yeah, people without knowledge given to like comfort by by both their own choices and circumstances that they have been brought into. See, this gets back to it's a, it's a it's a perfect storm. Let me come. Let, let me come back yeah. to this. But earlier, you said something about you know Amazon wouldn't exist if if people didn't have choice and didn't think it was a good idea. Yeah. There's some truth to that, but there's also the fact that people make really bad choices. Like porn exists and it's really really viewed highly viewed on on the internet. It's probably the greatly most greatly searched thing and watched thing. It doesn't mean it's a good thing. It just means people are choosing those things. So yeah. human choice, the fact that people are choosing things doesn't mean it's good or even That's right. If you've watched the social dilemma and like the choices we make on social media, like why am I up there preaching against people's flesh against yeah. if I can just trust their choices? Like we can't. We have to prick the conscience like but you the know. essence of freedom is the ability to make that choice. And you want to take that choice and put it in the hands of someone who knows better? No thanks. Yeah, sometimes. 
I, I would just say, I would say, what no would law, isn't that the purpose of the law? You're not arguing for an anarchist system. This the purpose of the law is to is to impinge law. people's in yeah. you know people's freedoms. To say yeah. no, no yeah. We're, but that's we're gonna, right. There's here's a line. But right. when it comes to freedoms of like, what should I eat or what job should I have? I'm really thankful that I can make those choices, and that others can too. Now you're gonna you you can you can say well, some people don't have, they they didn't have the privilege or they didn't have the opportunities that you have, and I I would agree. I'm not going to, you know, thump, you know, sh- shame on anyone, in my opinion, or maybe shame's a strong term. Well, I love shame. Let's stick with shame. You like the word shame? It gets a lot um, done. They're, they're, you know, people that give themselves credit, they're a self-made man, so to speak. And they talk about they've done this and how, you know, like, th- this, is, th- this is what I have earned. In a sense, yes. And, and in a sense... Oh, my gosh. They've sacrificed. In a sense, they've worked when, they, when their peers were partying. And they, they've made, they took on risks that others weren't taking. Yes, they did. But why did they do that? Different reasons. But, but my point is just like we... we <laughs> I mean, I, I believe in a sovereign God, right? So, so that th- that really comes into play here in, in that um, what I have... Yeah, I believe in a system that encourages people to work and to be motivated to work. Work is good. I tell that to the kids all the time. Like, work is a good thing. And and I, I believe that, that part of the left ideology is mm. work is a bad thing, mm. which is part of the reason. Why, I mean, it, it plays into everything. And by the way, work is a bad thing. And this, we, we don't, we, I'll just say it. Like, I, I believe the left often replaces God with government. Biden's question to Trump in the in the debate was, well, he made the comment, you were responsible for 200,000 deaths in the U.S. And his assumption in that is that a one person, a president, can, can possibly take that level, who can bear that level of responsibility, right? But his fundamental worldview is that the government should have that degree of control and authority. And I, I think that's a fundamental difference. I wish they would have talked about that because that gets more to the heart of Republican ideals, Democratic ideals. Is Republican ideals is saying the government has a limited realm of responsibility, and it should where it's responsible, it it should be effective and and like enforce laws. Uh, you know, like that 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 we as a people voted for, like that we put in representatives into place that have ideals we believe in, and those those ideals are then enforced by the government versus this far overreaching, like being essence power that's responsible for things so like when a storm comes there's two ways to respond when derecho hit you have a a camp of like well when are people going to show up and you have a camp of like without thinking about insurance without thinking about like they can't they can't get down their road so they're out and they're showing friends are showing up with chainsaws just to take care of business that's it's just like two different mentalities and i i do sense I, you know, push push on me on this one, but I just I, I the re, the Republican ideal tends towards um, that like, yeah, you have freedom and, and along with it, like work is a good thing. Work is a blessing. Um, work comes with its own curse, of as we know because of the fall. Like it's that that's like our efforts are are tainted and the the fruit that they bring forth. But like work itself can be worship. It can be a good thing. Um, the goal of life is not for some entity in the sky, the government, to make me comfortable. 
Yeah, I think that might be some pretty... Yeah, I don't know that I've picked up on that element. I would say most people that I know and talk to who are left or Democrat would celebrate work. I mean, you go you go way, way hard. Like, there's some people that think they're just going to sit at home and collect a check. I just don't think that's most people. I think their thing would be that there's elements of the free market that impinge on our our abilities to survive, to uh, thrive and flourish in work. Like, we can get into wages and, Certainly. you know, like, things like that. Like, what we want to... And, and let me be clear, because I feel like, oh, did I... Yeah, maybe. That's all right. That's what we're here to do. But, Mischaracterize, judge. Well, yeah, I, was, I was really struggling. Be, the, the, I mean, You're talking about I, an in, extreme. Entitlement programs do the opposite of their intent. Oh, gosh. Well, let's pin on that because I actually didn't let you answer my question because I, I diverted you, which is um, um, what are the most toxic elements you see of the free market system in today's world? See, I'm coming that in because, yeah, you can make your case and, you know, I'm, I don't know. I, I struggle with this, but can you, like, yeah. can, it's one thing to say, well, no system's perfect, but where are you, can you see the toxic elements? Like, where is the free market, because of the presence of human sin, yeah. wreaking havoc in, in hurting people? Or is it not? It's not. Where I was trying to go, yeah, I remember where I was exactly, the combination of lack of information or ignorance. Okay and lulled into sleep with comfort. And, and by the way, your message yesterday, Donovan, you absolutely oh, nailed it. Tell me more, come no, on. No, here's the thing though, brave new world, Yeah. people fall in love with comfort and they, that, that in fact, and, and it goes so far as to talk about like monogamous relationships, they're discouraged from, right? Um, they were encouraged to take their, what was it, Soma, the pill, mm -hmm. and, and just love whoever they want. And monogamy was seen as like a weakness. And a detriment to their their joy because it involved uh, commitment, right, and all these sorts of things. And um, well, there's a path I'd like to go down about the significance of the family unit, um, mm. which th that that's it. But but I think the stages here, the the detriment of a capitalist society, are uh, um, capitalism produces a higher degree of social good over time. So, so a, lot, a lot of times people focus on disparity between the super rich and the super poor, but look at the lifestyles of the super poor. Capitalism brings that level up over other, I mean, that's, so, so that's, that's point number one I would make, but even within that, when it happens, capitalism brings a, the welfare of a society up, and when the welfare goes up, comforts go up. And by the way, technology has brought us these amazing things, you know, iPhones are mind blowing, yeah. right? You, well, that we, we, it's, there are tools and there are toys. And the thing that we start out as a tool, like I, I certainly, and, and, and my wife, Rosie, we talk about this. We talk about with our kids, like this is, this is a real, this is a monster. Everyone has to like wrestle or just give into. And so it, it has a tendency because it, it plays into so much of what we crave as humans to lull us to sleep. So we just, we're just become flippers photo flippers, social media, and we're not thinking for ourselves anymore, nor learning how to articulate. And we don't know how to deal with interpersonal conflict. So when we get offended on social media, and now we have a phone to separate, we can just blast somebody else, right? So what are the evils of capitalism? Where is the structure gone wrong? Or where, where, where it's, it takes advantage of a people who's both lulled to sleep through comfort, brave new world, and um, 
and those who are out of the know, they're ignorant. Um, what about the greedy? And, and, and they go, what about like they go evil? Hand hand because then greed is unchecked. So greed can, people don't know the effects of the choices they're making. So like, a, can I take a step, like, like sure. real quick Keep example going. with capitalism, why is capitalism good? Um, how about a easy example, Halloween party, or kids go trick or treating, they come back. Okay. And they agree to have a candy sharing thing. Okay. All right, so with um, a good thing that can happen, if you didn't have that trading game where like two Snickers bars get traded for licorice or whatever kids sure. are into, um, the kids will go home, they just throw their candy away, right? Because they, they didn't, so, so there's a waste. But if they're allowed to trade, now now everyone's happier, right? And, and it's like more value was created because of the free interchange of goods. They were, they were giving resources, some of which they didn't care about or didn't want, and they were given the opportunity to trade and the collective value of those trades. Um, so here's the, uh, I, but yeah. here's the catch with that, yeah. Donovan. So this is the answer to your question. Okay. Problem with capitalism is when you have a bully in the room or, or a kid that's like eight years older yeah. and is taking advantage of the situation, like Roland's my three-year-old. And if, if, uh, if Gideon w were to be like, hey, Roland, don't you like... Right. Okay, now he's taking from Roland, yes. and Roland is suffering. So what it needs is parents. This is... And what our government needs, but the problem is, oh my gosh, the system's so complex. Like, it, So capitalism does good things, but then it stops when it gets to a point where there are those that start to bully mindfully and maybe without knowing it as well. What they think is just like, you know, when you talk about child labor, well, those kids wouldn't have to work. And now it's okay. That's nuanced, really. They won't have, but their parents are telling me I got to go work and make, you know, pennies. So they're they're getting taken from. And so, I mean, I'm generalizing, but the, so so what we need is we're playing the big Halloween candy exchange game here in this this virtual reality of life, yeah. this version of life, and we need parents. So who are going to be the parents? The government. Well, that that's inherently a problem in a society where so comforts and I think um, comforts and ignorance create unfair trades and greed yeah and, 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 Other and, things. and, and yeah. greed yeah like yeah. Um, but but one thing about greed like oftentimes I mean America has been like Christmas every day type of thing we were always inventing new stuff right some of it's good some of it's bad but to the extent people are able to think and make a good choice, they're voting with their money to buy things that bless them, right? Now, it's it's like handing someone an iPhone. It can it can take a person down, or it can bring blessing to their life and more fruitfulness, right? It depends on how they. Yeah. Use the only it. thing, what I mean by greed is uh, not this general desire for goods, but um, that in that system where there's potential for corruption, a bad player, like you used the example of Gideon, or yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's a bad player that can come in and say, hmm, he sees some hole in the game, he sees a vulnerable person right. or people group. Right. So so to be fair, you are identifying some of the the pitfalls of capitalism. I think really the difference then no, again, not some hard left Marxist. I'm talking about like people this ten left would say, Hey, we just need some more social programs, some more taxation, like mm -hmm you would probably disagree about where those injustices lie and what's the best solution. But mm -hmm. we talked about this a couple weeks ago at my house. Like, yeah. I think part of the challenge is that we do tend to talk in um, kind of a, 
monolithic ways like man i love capitalism it's like hey i'm a capitalist mm -hmm. i love freedom it's like yeah and i was like well i started pushing you on like well what about aren't there challenges to capitalism shouldn't it be checked sometimes and you know don't don't doesn't freedom run amok with sin and you were like well yeah why would people assume otherwise like you when you say you know I'm, i want to defend freedom and capitalism right you're you're inserting in that in your mind there's some obvious issues that we need to deal with and have some checks and balances but people don't necessarily hear that they just hear free rampant you know um i'm for freedom and they're just like you just let people go nuts like <laughs> right that, that's, but you don't yeah. mean that no but i do think there would probably be some some great disagreement with some more left people on like where those injustices lie and what's the best solution uh but again part of what i want to do here is just model and give people like grant people the benefit of the doubt have a generous conversation mm -hmm. um you sincerely believe that a more capitalist society is going to be is going to it's the rising tide rises all ships that's the argument you can look back at yeah. the development of technology and stuff like that yes. historically like po poverty in the west does not mean what it what it means in right. africa like right there's this rising tide that rises all ships and yeah i i don't know i'm not smart enough to know sure i could make the argument for that i could also make the argument for um I don't know the the stripping of resources from the col the colonized nations of the world and the mm -hmm. hundreds of years of enslavement and things like that have given the West a an economic head start that's almost incalculable and mm -hmm. you know like how much stolen labor how much you know stolen resources have maybe maybe what we're experiencing is not actually the benefits of capitalism but the benefits of imperialism and it's uh, continuing you know. I don't know. It's a theory. Yeah. Let's talk about it. I don't know who's smart enough to figure that out, but yeah. I do think it's there's probably a lot of factors at play. Um, let's talk about entitlement programs. Okay. You said, and uh, we're going to go over an hour here. But these things fly by. I want to talk about entitlement programs, and I want to talk about the family unit that you brought. You said you want to talk about that. Sure. Um, so you said entitlement programs don't have the intended effect. Is right. that is that what you said? Right. Um, so by entitlement programs, let's define those. What do you mean? Uh, I'm talking about like, I mean, from affirmative action to housing projects to um, welfare, food welfare, stamps, food stamps, the whole the whole bit. Yeah, I, I heard a, um, I heard a podcast oh, sometime in the past couple months or something that if I remember the number right, it was like over 23 trillion, which is almost as much as our current national debt is like 25 or 26 trillion, I think. No one cares anymore, no one's talking about it. But 23 trillion, I think, has been spent over the last 50 years on entitlement programs, however this person had defined it. Um, and what has it, has it, was it done? And it was actually um, uh, Shelby Steele, who's an interesting one to listen to. He was just on Shapiro yesterday. Okay, okay. So, yeah, he's, he's interesting because he's African-American. He's a professor. He really knows his stuff. And he started out in the radical, what I would call the radical left, as part of a, um, you know, from the, in the 60s, late 60s, I think. Uh, and um, to today, he's flipped around. He's a conservative. So, you know, uh, and, and well, that proves it. race issues. Well, he's just interesting to listen to. I know. Right? I'm just kidding. He's really interesting to listen to. Like, 
I mean, in a sense, we're willing to get. Well, because it's a assumed, right? Yeah, it's assumed. Like, well, of course, you grew up white evangelical, so of course you're a capitalist. But it's a, right. it's a little different when someone yeah, comes from a different demographic, different. a different background. It's like, okay, there's a yeah. fresh take here. Yeah, yeah. So, so from that from that angle, um, entitlement programs. Um, I mean, the, the the issue that, in my opinion, is just the victimization that happens, the victimized mentality, and you, you you take away someone's dignity when you remind them that they're a victim with a boost. If you're, it's a, a handout can perpetuate a problem because you are taking someone's dignity and their um, darn it, their Eric. sense of ownership, right? That's why I don't give my kids anything. <laughs> Just kidding. I, now here's the thing. Here, here's where again I think it comes down to. I get what you're saying. It's and that's kind why of the, God has the law. One of the Ten Commandments is "Do not covet." The presumption is people are going to have things that you want. That's part of society. In fact, it's part of a good society. Property ownership, thing ownership. Because when you own a thing, you take a lot better care of it than that thing you rented, and no one can dispute that. Like just. Look at the history of what they've rented and what they've owned and how well it was taken care of. Okay, so one of the things that I, I want us to do is realize that we're dealing with the tensions between not opposite, but um, both tensions yeah. between biblical ideals that are good. So, for example, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you have that you did not receive? Right. That's Paul saying, like right. what you were talking about earlier, right. like you're not a self-made man. Right. And then Paul says, whoever does not work <laughs> does not eat. It's like <laughs> which way? it sounds like he's promoting meritocracy. Yeah. But on the other hand, he's saying there's no such thing. The, the gospel shatters the meritocracy. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think those are the tensions like, yeah, I'm thankful. Everything, every good gift comes from above. And yet I know I got to get up and work. That gift is a good work, is a gift from above. You know, the work itself. So mm -hmm. so this relates also to what you're talking about here. Like, I, know, I get the argument that if you just if you just give people stuff, they're like, well, I don't have to. It's going to play into, it can play into that human nature, mm -hmm. which is like, well, if they're lazy, it's not going to work for everyone. Some people are just self-motivated. But there'll be a certain number of people that just go, fine, I can just take advantage. This is my game. I'm just going to sit back, collect my check, be dehumanized. Okay. Mm -hmm. And yet, Paul, and I'm just going to this passage, but there's, yeah. there's several passages where he talks about enrolling widows. You know, he's giving yeah. Timothy instructions for the church. Like, what do you imagine they're enrolling them to? Employment? Help? Help, yeah, yeah. There's some... It's a it's a mercy. Like being part of the community. They're like not being taken care of. Safety. They, there's a like mercy. Provision. Yeah. They're not just saying, hey, you, hey, widow, come over here and... and Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. They're offering some kind of mercy to her because she is a vulnerable, especially in that day. So you have to translate it, right? Like right. in that day, you know, you're talking about women could not provide for themselves. Right. You know, especially right. who knows by then she's like, she's older. Her husband is gone. Right. So he's the breadwinner. Yeah. Maybe she can scrap together some kind of like living, you know. But the, the point is she's a vulnerable person in society and got and Paul is saying under inspiration by the Holy Spirit, identify these who are truly widows. Mm -hmm. right. right. So they have no family support. He makes that argument. You know, those who have family to support them, let them support them. They take the responsibility for their mom, 
aunt, whatever, like support her. Mm -hmm. But there's those who are truly widows. They don't have a support network. We're going to be merciful. We're going to give them that which they did not earn. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say don't help them because it will create a disincentive. It's both, though. That's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying, though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But but and so let me challenge you, though. Right. And what I think conservatives do is they do what you just did, which is bring out the other the objection first. Okay. It's going to disincentivize. Okay, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And the conservative heart will will bring that out first and often. Right. And I think often forget passages like, oh, wait a minute. Then why would God ask us to do something that's going to disincentivize? Well, it's it's avoid the like actually provide real help too. OK, like, so, so so on. So we got to deal what we got to, I think, be careful with ends of the spectrum. One I know that's spectrum what I'm trying to do. Like, is, <laughs> one end of the spectrum is the Good Samaritan story where all the holy people just walk right past. Right. Because that, that, that's just like. They're washing. They're, they're not willing to. You know, they're distancing themselves. They're not giving any help because maybe, you know, maybe they think they they need to, you know, help pick yourself up. You know, I don't want to entitle you, so I'm going to leave you alone to die on the side of the road. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is to give a handout with no expectation, no actual real help. What do you mean by actual real help? Like, so it's the initial help. Like, what? What if her life never changed? Like her life is never going to change. Like, so they're not going to train her for a new job. This isn't, and this is where maybe what you're getting into. Well, what really helps people is giving them self-sufficiency. Like, well, she's not going to change. She's a lifelong widow in the first century. She's not going to be able to get ahead. She right. may be on the dole forever. And they're going to give her her 30 bucks a month or whatever. What been back then some shekels to like yeah. pay the bills and then encourage her and love her. But she's probably not going to become a, a self-sufficient generator in the capitalistic market like she's just kind of there because of the because of the the system like right so the system i think the the liberal system becomes evil in that the government's so big it can't properly administer justly help real help at that macro level to the micro okay that's why in in a um in, in a, in so it works in a church in a community structure. where they know the widow and they know her and she's been vetted which is part of what Mm -hmm. Paul says, vet those who are truly widows. Right. Right. The right. government can't sort through who's truly widows. And they're able to, at that, at that micro level, there is actually people get the, the, the joy of being directly involved with giving the help instead of, well, the government takes care of that, right? Or isn't there a homeless shelter that, down, down the way? Um, so it's smaller scale. And if, 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 if a people is incentivized and enabled to give that help and charged like encouraged and, and, and through through their communities like make choices to give that help it's it's ideal but but now we go back to well people are we have this inner nature at war with us that tells us we rather we, we're going to get caught up with keeping up with the Hawkeyes and not actually spending time helping and walking alongside and developing relationships with those that need help that need help with the resume that need help like making connections that need help learning how to talk with others that because it's just a huge inconvenience. Well, there is a there is something to be said because so every there's a tendency, a temptation on the left to outsource your mercy. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. Like, oh, it's so like, we vote for this, vote for that, vote for that. But yeah, but like, have you had an orphan in your home? Right. That's like, literally, who's the widows and orphans that and, and yes. that you are like bleeding with, and they're like it's coming out of your paycheck, and your nights are being interrupted, right. and you're right. Like now, again, there are people that do that. 
but again we're talking about tendencies and what can happen there there is i mean there's people i can probably name that just like always just vote this vote that vote that but then they're just spending all their money on themselves right and you know chastising the right for their lack of mercy but they're just spending all their money on themselves they're not their their lives are not being hindered by the right. burden of caring for the broken the you know actually disrupting their lives and again that's not everybody that's the problem here is there's this there's this huge spectrum of well, that's right of we love people we and to, reactions we try to and, generalize i think that's what you know when i post i'm going to vote for trump I, you know, I, I get people that are so like, what? Like this, then they put me in this camp. Yeah. And then I spend the rest of my, up until the election and after the election, the rest of my life. <laughs> You're Trying to explain the nuance that they really need to understand. And what I'm talking about is that place in the middle. So I talk about both ends of the spectrum. Real help needs to come into place where it's like initial undeserved help. Like we need to get you, well, like you're sick or you need food. Well, you know, and, and caring for them wherever they're at, because if you're addicted to um, opioids or alcohol or whatever it is, you just need help initially. Like you can't even think straight, right? And um, so I just believe that that type of help needs to go to, to really help a person. A macro program um, administered at a macro scale is giving, people can work the system and they will because they have the same human nature that you and I have, Donovan, right? They're gonna work it beyond what it was intended to. Like work it in the sense that they, they it's just the, the comfort level they're they're going to be better off just taking on this entitlement payment and so they do it's easier and then and then on the inside it like rots them out because they are reminded that they need this and they they they, they're not like motivated to to have the real help of becoming like free so i think i think part of what you where i might push you is that i don't think you have a, an, a vision for the macro level system that is capitalism. Like you kind of view it as like all these millions of small interactions that keep it micro, but there's some serious power uh, um, centralization going on. And you talk about, you know, coalitions like Facebook and Google and Amazon, like Amazon's great, but then you go like, you know, go to the place, you wouldn't want to work at Amazon, like in freaking Asia and stuff like it's out of control. Like in, and there's there is some level of like macro control there where mm-hmm. yeah you have the freedom to go work there yeah but you're so and this is where like the power accumulation comes in so amazon moves into you know this city yeah. city in asia and guess what they're freaking starving so amazon's like hey we'll give you uh you know whatever a dollar an hour mm-hmm. and maybe that's a living wage there right but you're gonna work 18 hours no bathroom breaks you know like there's you read stories man there's people like jumping out of windows in these corporations because like life is so but hey man it's your free market choice like yeah i guess it is i guess it is their free market choice like well done like but there's a there's a power disadvantage i've talked to you before about the idea of like a a corporation coming into some african country right and they've got minerals right and they're like hey do you guys want to eat you want to eat, right? Fine, then we'll pay you, work here all day, and we will strip your country of resources, take them back to the West, and say we, we're, our tides are rising because we're capitalist, even though we really just went over there, stripped all these natural resources, left the country, and they're all just, they're worse off than they were. Well, they didn't have the means, they didn't have the capital to bring in the kind of equipment and logistics and coordination. Right. They just wanted to eat. And that's the... That's not illegal, but right. that's the kind of thing that I think God would look at and go, "That's unjust." 
That's yeah. unjust. And and you're admitting because, that these because things you're, can, pre, you're presuming that people do have the ability to make a choice when they might be landlocked by like family that they got to take care of. Like you name it, right? Which is, they, gets back to the there. monopoly thing. They literally did. There was a die rolled, and right. they were born black That's in right. Ghana. That's right. And maybe without access to education and good water, and this company comes in and we're going to provide clean so, water but for here's, you. Here's, and, here's my pushback. What's okay. the worst evil? You hand over that control like to some some leader who's not going to be corrupt and make all these decisions for every company. Like where? Where does it end? Globally? We're going to involve the UN to make these... Amazon wants to do business in some third world country. I think maybe... Shop, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Who's going to Something. That? Something. I don't know who's going to control it, but so let's... Here's an idea. We maybe, need one world leader. No. <laughs> maybe you could have a... That's a that's a straw man. Like... Um, you, you could have a... Let's say a law that... Uh, a certain amount a good amount mm -hmm. of the profits that come out of those minerals in the ground aren't allowed to leave the country. Right. Well, that's the type of stuff that the governments need to negotiate with each other to allow. Like, you know, name, name the country. Well, that's not if exactly going, that's right. what I'm saying. And even if the, one's capitalist and even if the other, so if the government of the they should control that Amazon company. I know. But you're saying in one breath, the government can't control that stuff. And in the other breath, well, that's where the government needs to control that stuff. No, 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 no. They, I'm not going. So you're going, going to the extreme imperfect. of yeah. like a centralized, completely centralized control. One guy at the top making every. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's a place to look at that stuff, and not just say, "Hey, uh, free market decisions is the best thing." Like maybe not. Sometimes it's absolutely. not. We and need, we need we need parents in the room to control yes. the flow of candy. That absolutely. But you still let Roland trade with Gideon. As long you make sure Roland understands what he's getting into, you okay, Roland, hold on. You really want Gideon's Twizzler. Oh gosh. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, oh, is this I, all just a mess, Eric? Because you're right. Look, I think we agree, but the problem is that then those parents are corrupt also. That's they don't love you. the children. The real problem is people. I know. Not structure. It's both. You, it's you both. Ask me, you like, ask me what's wrong with the structure, and we can talk about that, but there's evils with both structures and capitalism is a, in my view, a sure. clear winner as compared to any type of socialist regime. Fair enough. Um, again, we're not here to settle issues. We're here to model how to have these discussions. We're creating issues. But um, what, what else were you asking me with about entitlement programs? I don't know. Well, that was it. I wanted yeah. to get into that idea of like, yeah. like does it, does it uh, perpetuate laziness and like, well, it can. And yet, yeah, right. Not always. And yet, God says, like when He says "feed the poor," He literally means He doesn't go, "Wow, you don't want them to, you know, be self entitled." And it's like He's just, just go do <laughs> just it. Go do it. You know, yeah. like and so there's these both. There's these. This is what I'm talking about. There's these tensions between these biblical yeah. values that, like, yeah. if you don't eat, you don't work. Feed the poor. It's like, okay, some people are poor because they don't work. Some people are poor for other reasons. You know, I remember living downtown Minneapolis, going to Piper's church. So like it was, when, I mean, John Piper is one of the most respected. He's influenced me so much, right? Like I have so much respect for that man. And I chose to live downtown because I wanted to be able to walk to Bethlehem Baptist, work downtown Minneapolis, and um, to live and be part of, and, and that required, I lived right next to a homeless shelter and between that and the Institute of Arts. And it was the, and I lived in this cheap apartment and there was a drug dealer in there. Um, there was a prostitute in there. And that was, I mean, from a small town Iowa boy, yeah, yeah. four years at UNI, and then that. 
um, I'll live with some guys in a in the suburbs for a year, and then I'm like, I want to mix it up. We were split. Long story short, I really I was I got really taken advantage of. It got ugly. Like I was trying to help people. I was just ignorant. I was bringing homeless people sure, into yeah, my house, yeah, yeah, making yeah. food for them, and then it was quickly turning into like, <laughs> you know, people yelling at me like, "You're not going to give me money because I'm a black man and you don't trust yeah, me." I'm yeah. like, "Oh my gosh!" And then this prostitute chews me out one time. She's like, "Well, you think you're Jesus Christ?" Mm. This guy was yelling at me in the hallway, and we could barely get him out of the building. And then she started chewing me out, like, "Stop trying to help people! Like, you can't help people." Mm. And um. And that's when you stopped helping people. No, here's the thing. I remember John Piper said something to the effect in a sermon. Yeah, go ahead. He said he said something in a sermon. Sorry, I was hitting the table. No, no, I was wondering. This that, didn't that look like, like it's it's on. Is is our goal? I was really discouraged. I feel like I was giving money, and then I would see time and time again someone like take it and 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 be misusing it. Yeah. And I'd be like, man, he just told me he's done with drugs, and I gave him some good money. And I see him doing drugs again. Yeah. Like, he's just openly taking advantage of me. And that wasn't one person. It was like time and time again. Then my yeah. apartment was getting broken into. I'm just, I created a disaster. Mm. I was really discouraged. And Piper also lives, probably, I think he lives in the same house he always has in that, in that neighborhood, just south of um, Bethlehem. And he made the comment like, at the end of his life, does he want to um, be proud of himself for being a shrewd, like an astute giver, mm. like a distinguisher of, well... I rightly determined that so you know we, we, I, I had the gift of discernment and I didn't help eighty percent of people because they were just going to take it and yeah. waste it. Or am I going to err on the side of grace and be the fool? Okay, you know, financially, and that yeah. really impacted me. And I think that's the way we need to operate, like individually, individually. but not corporately, not as a system best as individuals because when you get in the system there's money involved and every time money changes hands in a macro structure okay but let me big, put, so let me ask you a government solution there'll be people driving around bends but why not then why not at a societal level make the same conclusion you know what rather we'd rather be generous than shrewd it sounds really good but the problem is administrating it no you don't because have to just let it just, just send the checks out yeah, right. To and the, and the checks get sent to people that will take advantage. Right, of but it. that's what you were just saying. You yeah. you had a breakthrough on. Like, why not? Why not to let the country do that too? Like, I'm not saying we should. I'm just poking. You're saying this is a yeah. a value that you yeah. saw. Okay, like, so I'd rather right. err on the side of grace than why not? Fine, run the checks, send them out. Like, yeah, there's gonna be a bunch of taken advantage of. But would we rather be known as generous or shrewd as that's a right. nation? That's right. So, but you have to draw a line somewhere. I mean, I'm gonna err on the side of generosity when I see someone needing help even when I think they're trying to take advantage of me. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to like hand over every, every you know, like give, your wife, your kids. Everything. Yeah, exactly. Some... Like I, there has to be some just, okay, I'm going to apply discernment, give an amount, give help, do what I can. But also at the same time, I'm not going to like, so, so in the same way it applies to, um, yeah, I, I feel like you're, you're, I, you got, you got to, there, there's nuance to this. Like you you can't, I feel like you're trying to drive me to one extreme of the spectrum. That's right what now. I'm here to do, man. And I'm telling you, like this stuff is nuanced. You got to live in the middle. You feel like I'm trying to drive you to an extreme? I feel like I'm trying to say there's nuance to all these things. <laughs> That's literally what I've been saying. We're living in the biblical tensions between yeah. these things. And yeah. well, anyway, maybe some of my examples are, are a little, uh, yeah. little far-fetched. Well, when you say things like, well, you're, you would say that, you know, you're trying to push me like, which side are you on? And I'm talking in the middle. Okay. And so you, you keep trying to create clarity, and, I, and that's, that's good. But I'm saying, like, 
Yes. Yeah, so, so because of the fact that I believe I had this breakthrough, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I think that uh, we should have a big government that administers all help. Right. All help? Like, okay, it's not, then you'd probably go, well, Eric, not. No, 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 no. I don't mean that. Okay, well, let's I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I just mean, do you feel like you have that same spirit? So I'm not, you don't have to go to an extreme of like all help. Right. But do you, when you say, man, do I, when I look back at my life, do I want it to be known for being shrewd or for being generous? Right. Same posture with the government, like in the, how the government uses the money. Do we want to be known for being shrewd or being gracious? So again, you still have to have some nuances and how that works, but... I think that's what I was saying. Like, would you look, would you, I feel like when you're describing your personal life, you're saying, man, I really want to be known as being gracious. And when you're describing how we administer funds governmentally, you really want to be shrewd. Um, no, I would, I would just, I think empower the help to be administered at a smaller scale by communities, by, by, by like choice, by people that can make the best decisions for the people that are in their community and their Here's part of the problem, and is that we do we so, you know, when we work at a family level, family unit, like I can, I can see these tensions. Like, do I, do I make my kids work, right, or do I just provide? Well, right. I'm doing, I'm managing this tension. You know, like, do I give them mercy or justice today? Like, or in this particular issue, like, and it's really hard. It's impossible, but we do what we can to enter those tensions and 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 raise our kids and. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they work. It does work better at fa- at smaller levels. Like um, like uh, here's what I say. My home is actually communist. <laughs> There's no vote. <laughs> I determine to a great extent. Like yeah, to each according to his needs and from each according to their ability. And I'm the dictator along with my wife, mm-hmm. who who administrates this program. But it's dependent. It works to the extent that I have wisdom discernment and love for these actual beings mm-hmm. right and the, the family bonds more than uh, i don't know more often than not probably like create that and give you the ability to do that mm-hmm. so w- the more we break out of that and get into larger and larger organizations that we i don't we don't actually love each other we don't actually know each other it gets more complex so the wisdom element is is getting mixed up and i think what a I think I've heard Piper make this argument. My wife kind of makes this argument is that because of that, we need to decentralize the power, right? To break up, break that up, let it work in smaller units. And mm-hmm. I get that. I just think that it, it's, uh, again, I, it's naive that you see the dangers of it in the governmental organization, but not in the like oligarchical, like power. These things still concentrate power. So I don't know. There's some way that like we need to like bust up the corporations every once in a while or something. And that's actually what I think I see God doing in the Old Testament. He's like every 50 years is this year of jubilee where the debts are forgiven. And yeah. the, but why? Because He knows that over time power will beget power, mm-hmm. and and there will be these these um, well power centers and wealth centers that are not going to be advantageous to the poor because of sin and all this stuff and he goes every 50 years we're going to break that up now am i suggesting that that's what we should do in the u.s break these things up every 50 years no i'm suggesting that we should be aware of that and something must be done something do come up with an idea you know and Mm -hmm. i guess that happens right now i think facebook and google are or particularly Facebook and Twitter are under fire and they're probably going to be broken up mm-hmm. um, over the next 
I don't think they last 10 years in their current, well, hopefully maybe five. Well, hopefully they're biased censorship. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> that in and of itself is, right. you know. But see, that's, an, that's a free market. But see what happened, the people at the top just, have power. That's right. And they're not necessarily, in, you know, they don't love all the people they're serving. And they see an advantage to go, oh, let's censor this, let's censor that. And, well, and see, it becomes a, a problem. True, a true capitalist will say the market will come up with its own solution when people care enough. And I think that's challenged because like, okay, you're going to come up with something that competes with Facebook and it's going to be, I, well, well, I mean. We'll see. I mean, MySpace right. went away, right? Right. And it, it may, and some of that depends on how long the market, like take the oil industry right now, will the market, you know, give way to clean energy? You know, you're seeing a lot of rise in, mm -hmm. in electric vehicles and right. things like that. But the question is, how long does that take? And are there could it happen faster if they weren't messing with things? You think the oil companies aren't, you know, influencing politicians and, right, exactly. you know, so it's all just a freaking mess. <laughs> we don't That's have time right. to get into the family yeah. unit. Let's do this again. Okay. And so I think I'll post this today. But um, so today is the day before the election. Yeah. Uh, although, from what I understand, it's going to be at least a week before we actually have oh all the oh my goodness at least all the votes in and I hey I and I also this is important to me I, I just want to clarify one thing I yeah feel like I said because I don't just just because I, I feel like I misrepresented I did what I really despise being done to me okay you know which is stereotyping all right and I was speaking in really general terms to keep the conversation going but I was I was just talking about left versus right and how the left of, doesn't value work yeah and and I what I, that that's that's not characteristic of what I really think. Like, I, you know, I, why I, did you say it? What I what I meant and what I would like to clarify is that I believe the the structure and the policy of the right or Republicans do incentivize work more, and and it's just it, I, I do believe that. And I believe that. Well, I could see that too. And if it's if it's kind of more like, hey, you better figure it out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That 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 was my point. And but that's it, not. I, I just feel like that could easily be just mis mistaken for me saying like something I didn't. Democrats say. don't like to work. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Which is not true. That that's not true. Yeah. Some of my best friends are Democrats. That's not true. I don't have any. Some friends. of my best friends don't even vote. Mm. Mm. Like Donovan. My wife asked me the other day, if you could. <laughs> so right now I have the out. Yeah, I don't vote. I'm not right. a citizen. Right. If you could. And it's hard to imagine because I feel like if I could, I would have probably been invested vested more in, in certain ways. That would change my decision. But mm -hmm. I still think I wouldn't. And I'm fine with, yeah, vote. I, I, can make a, I can make a good argument to vote for Biden as a Christian. Sure. Can I do it right now? Yeah. I think there's Christians that I know who sincerely believe that the 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 because again this is hard to figure out that the the uh, so if you got the capitalist versus socialist like uh, economic control right um, they sincerely believe that it needs to swing more left and we need more more social programs to take care of the widows and the, and they believe that in all sincerity yes okay? yeah and then um, they there's also people I who sincerely believe that they're pro they're uh, they're pro-life. Mm -hmm. They don't want abortion to be legal, and they could be wrong about this. But they sincerely believe that um, that abortion there'll be more gains made on abortion through those social programs than um, 
through legislating Roe versus Wade. Now, they could be wrong and it could be a fatal error, but I believe they can hold that insincerity mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. and therefore say, hey, I can in good conscience vote for a Democrat. Um, so we got to be careful villainizing people. We really oh, just right. got to talk right. talk to people. Right. Um, so anyways, this is good. We went yeah. uh, almost 90 minutes and solved nothing. That's not true. Well, it is true, but it doesn't mean it was fruitless. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, I hope not. What are we doing if, if so? Yeah. So we'll do this again. We'll talk about the family unit. Yeah. Which is important to you. You're quiverful. Well, I just think it's foundational to society. Isn't it? Yeah. There's an article I read that said, you want to destroy capitalism, destroy the family. And we could we get into I'll send you the article. Maybe yeah, something we can talk about. Well, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's foundationless. You can't have humans without sex it, and you between can, men and women <laughs> and then taking care of them and raising them. Right. Like You can't have a society without. Well, unless you go Brave New World. Now, that's what happened, right? They, right. they eliminated... Uh, monogamy. That's right. And and the, they were producing children in petri dishes. Pe- yep. So you didn't have that no affiliation. Parents. Right. No parents, no affiliation to any children. Everyone was just an autonomous unit. That's right. And you know that's a literal technological possibility. Right. You know, like so far, countries that stop making babies, societies that stop making babies, basically fade. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Western Europe. They're they're just going to be brown, which is fine. I don't care what color Western Europe is. But the reality is <laughs> the white people there aren't making babies anymore. Right. The brown people are making babies. Europe is going to be brown. Yeah. And it's a natural result of just, just not making babies. But what if we start baking babies instead? <laughs> what are we talking about? I mean, like, <laughs> put, put, make them in an oven like they did oh, in Brave New World. Pe- you know, Petri, like, yeah. that's, the, that's the future, Eric. Oh, and then you're is. free from the bonds. You know, the shackles of marriage and the shackles think how, of... Think how scary that would be if you've ever run into, like, a dazed gamer that has that, like, look on their face. They're just, like, take that times infinity, right, when you're talking about someone raised out of a no parent, no... no That relational, like, connection mm. is not there. I yeah. Mean, I, I've... Yeah, I mean, talk to an adoptive parent. There, There's a lot of pain there that comes that you have to see, you know, that help help someone attach mm. help an adoptive child mm. attach relationally mm. and i can because it's that, been damaged that in and of itself is huge well what about if there's no like family unit or parent structure and in a, in a person what it what is it? i can't even imagine what their soul or what their who are well they? And that's like, what brave new they? world draws out it, it's yeah. not a it's not celebrating that and right. remember that guy that came from the outside and he's yeah. like, oh, brave new world. Like, exactly. He's just kind of like a tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, wow, yeah. what a brave new world you've created. Like, And he sees just the emptiness and the hollowness. Right. And you should read that book, folks. And your Bibles. Read your Bibles. In 1984. So, <laughs> yep. So, okay. Oh, that's enough. Eric, thank you <laughs> yeah. for your time. You probably have a job to get. You, you know what? Do if you don't job. work, you don't eat, bro. <laughs> I'm well you know, don't aware. call me up later. Like, you're hungry. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> figure it out. If you don't work, you don't eat. It's gonna be my, that's my life verse from now on. This is going to be our actually new <laughs> church. We're going to Redeemer 4.0. Yeah. Key verse. If you don't work, you don't <laughs> eat. Instead of come, buy, eat without price. Nah. <laughs> nah, man. Here we work. <laughs> What a compelling vision for a church. Cool. Hey, (laughs) vote early, vote often. (laughs) And and, and stay healthy. Don't worry about staying safe so much. Yeah, stay healthy. Fight off the COVID. All right, folks. See you later. Bye.